0: Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. Good
2: morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening. I'm also your host, Ryan Key. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Adam. I'm Nick.
1: So. And I'm the other host. Hey, dude. Thanks for having me. I'm here.
2: I'm over here. Present. All present and accounted for. It. Yeah. You're over there where it's nice. It's nice and sunny.
1: I really wasn't going to try and rub it in your face because you guys were talking about how bad the weather is, but I'm sorry. It was it was 70 and sunny today here.
2: So. <laughs> it's a winter wonderland where I am.
1: Hot status, dude.
2: So I was, I traveled last week and, you know, before I go on a trip, like I try to make, I try to plan like whatever my grocery shop is to be like, okay, I don't want to leave a bunch of food here, like fruit or food, whatever, that's going to go bad. So I didn't really have anything and... Got in yesterday, went out for to get some food for Valentine's Day last night, and realized today I have like nothing to eat really in my home, and I can't get out of my driveway. So it's been a weird day of piecing together whatever one kind bar, some <laughs> granola, a couple hard boiled eggs that I had left. Like it's been, yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow. I hope it gets where I can drive out. But
1: how bad is it? Like a foot more than um, that?
2: Yeah, it's probably right. It's like eight inches probably right now, but like it's just not swept anywhere in my neighborhood and a rear rear wheel drive car is not going uphill in that.
1: So (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, man. It's all right. I I, I truly left New York. I don't want to say mainly because of the weather. I was just over it, but weather was number two for sure. I don't ever want to be cold ever again.
2: (laughs) Well, I have some popcorn, so... (laughs)
0: You're good. I'll survive. Yeah, R two said uh, your chances of survival on the way to the grocery store are seven hundred twenty five to one. <laughs> but he he has been known to make mistakes <laughs> from time to time. He doesn't know about the popcorn, man.
1: From time to time,
0: <laughs> I love that. From time to time, I dude. I love. We got to get started here, but I love.
2: Uh, have you seen all of the bad lip reading Star Wars songs? I haven't seen all of them. No, just the like Yoda I've seen one. Some of them and Dude, it's never not the best thing you've
0: seen. <laughs> I bought that shit on iTunes and I jam it like on the reg. <laughs> it's so good. There's one uh it's I think it's uh It's not the future. I think that's the name of the song. But anyway, it starts with like a just like a big like ah wailing note and it's chewy in that moment when they close the doors and he goes, Ah back like that, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's like that's the first note of the song, and then the video it's chewy. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing dude
1: <laughs> so good people are so funny
0: anyway we are here we're full clone wars status right now even though last week uh we didn't talk about a specific episode or seasons uh we just happen to have you know the voice of one of the best characters in all of star wars well, on know. the podcast instead james arnold taylor
2: humble brag yeah i'm still on a high from that really for real yeah it's, how cool was that it was my favorite episode of Think the maker yeah, i think i should sure. say that same hands down it's just what a, what an awesome dude for our 52nd episode, too. There we or go. one
1: year, technically.
2: That's wild. But this week, we're continuing our
0: breakdown of the Clone Wars animated series with Season 2. Let's get right into Stolen Plans. What have you done with those plans? <laughs> season 2 of the Clone Wars debuted October 2nd, 2009 on Cartoon Network. Marketed with the tagline, Rise of the Bounty Hunters. And I think that's actually the subtitle, right? Like, if you look it up on IMDb or Wikipedia, you'll see Season 2, Rise of the Bounty Hunters.
1: Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I wasn't watching live in real time back in the day, but the little bit of uh, research I did and tried to find, like, any internet graphics or commercials or anything, yeah, they definitely use that tagline a lot. The cast,
0: of course, returning all of the big names from Season 1 and a handful of new characters and new voice actors. We've got John Favreau as Pre Vizsla, a Mandalorian, Daniel Logan, who portrayed young Boba Fett in the prequels. He uh, reprises his role there. And then Jamie King as Ara Singh. These are kind of the, the few bigger ones. I felt like were relevant, but tons of characters, tons of voice actors. Too many to list, just like everything before. The stories were written and developed by Lucas and Dave Filoni, again, with a bunch of writers. Um, some directing by Filoni, but... He assumed the role of supervising director, as he did in season one, and as he would throughout the rest of the Clone Wars animated series. And this season seems to have been pretty focused out of the gate. Seems like they had a, a more kind of concise or, or, or focused view of what they were trying to pull off. I mean, you can see, like we said before, the marketing. They're trying to introduce a few kind of new core concepts. Big takeaways from watching the whole season will be, of course... The return to Geonosis for the second battle of Geonosis. That's a big three-episode arc. The concept of bounty hunters bringing in some from the prequels, bringing in some that chronologically show up in the original trilogy. And then a major exploration about Mandalore. Really getting into the history of
1: Mandalore, the culture, just blowing the gates wide open. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, there was a real funny moment in some of the uh, featurettes when they were talking, Floney was specifically talking about Mandalore. I guess, you know, pre-writing this season, George Lucas was like, we're going to get into Mandalore. We're going to actually suss it out. And Dave Floney was like, well, here's all of this uh, expanded universe stuff that happened in Mandalore. And apparently, I guess George Lucas doesn't really know. The expanded universe. So yeah. he went. He wanted to like suss out what Mandalore was and the people and what it looked like and all this stuff. There was an expanded universe back then, and they kind of pulled from that, I guess. But it's just funny to think that Lucas didn't really. You know not that I expect him to read every novel and comic book, but right. I figured somewhere along the line, some would have been like someone would have given him some details. <laughs> I had always heard that he kind of okayed or
0: approved those things. But I would assume someone just kind of handed him like an outline, maybe a treatment and like a bullet point list of what happens. And he, he would say, OK, that's cool. Or mm-hmm. no, you can't do that. that.
2: <laughs> that's exactly how he sounded when he approved stuff, too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um,
2: I think one of the takeaways I got from re- Rewatch was the concept of the bounty hunters um, being used as such a tool for Sidious to accomplish goals and put set things in motion and play one side, the old, my famous Rick and Morty heist con episode, yeah. you know, of like playing everybody against each other to keep keep them all confused. And I think that was, you know, throughout the season that the bounty hunters were, were utilized in that way and uh, just really kind of showcased their talent and their functionality for the first time utility in a real way Yeah,
1: they're 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 formidable you know like for whoever whether it's cad bane or anyone else i mean they're they're holding their own with the jedi and whoever else yeah. they're fighting
2: yeah cad bane's a badass dude yeah more, he rules one of my favorite characters in season two for sure
0: this season was definitely bigger in scope more locations there were episodes where they went to half a dozen different planets in a single episode which they technically couldn't even pull off on a you know a, a computer animation level in season one so mustafar th- man Yeah, Yeah. that all led to much more cinematic, leveled up animation, breaking a ton of ground and learning along the way, it seems like. In in these featurettes, Filoni talks as much, and the other animators talk as much about how they could even pull off some of this stuff as they do about the content. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, George said he wanted this, so we had to figure that out. It's really interesting.
1: It just makes me laugh so much how much the same kind of thing happens where feloni or like killian or someone will be like well george said he wanted this well george <laughs> said he wanted that i literally just see him like popping his head and be like we're going to mandalore and then like leaving
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're all like shit <laughs> <laughs> so, or someone says something you know and he's like yeah do that yeah. and then he leaves and they're like way to go dude yeah <laughs> now george wants that <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think there's a notable formidable difference in season one and two as far as the the distance traveled and the systems we get to see. And I just shouted it out. But obviously one of the highlight moments in season two for me was the Anakin going to Mustafar. I mean, that's just, it's a mining planet. You know, it's a lava, like there's a, it's a volcanic thing. There's probably not the spot, but anything to get us out of this hangar, you (laughs) know, like, Oh man, if only you knew where you're heading.
0: It's so cool. They also did some really cool stuff like George has done through, I mean, since the very beginning taking tropes or, Themes or or things from cinematic history, things that he grew up on that he loved and saying, we're going to do a zombie movie, essentially, in in this arc. Mm -hmm. Or we're going to do a film noir thing. We're going to do Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We're going to do a Godzilla thing, you know, like with the Zillow Beast or the the Cad Bane stuff was the film noir. The Geonosis stuff was the zombie body snatchers stuff. And they pulled, I mean, directly from it straight up just like made a made a Godzilla movie in that last arc.
1: Yeah.
2: I think that you have to do something like that when you're plotting and planning a show of this scope and scale and length. I mean, something to keep it new and fresh because I was thinking about that actually, not in these terms. I'm kind of learning that as you teach me here on the podcast now, but I was watching it and I think it was that scene actually where Anakin and Ahsoka are talking about going to Mustafar and it just popped into my head thinking like, they had to write so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. They had to write so many lines and come up with so many twists and turns. So I think that the concept of using, you know, those those tropes to, to just to keep yourself inspired is a really cool idea. And, um, you know, judging by the reception of this program, it clearly worked for them. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure carried on out. into the later seasons we'll cover as well.
0: All right, let's dig into our essentials. We did with this season, just like we did with the first season, our list of sort of essential viewing if you want to get what you need to get out of these seasons because they are long, 22 episodes. We referenced a little bit the Nerdist list that we have talked about a bunch of times we put in the show notes previously, but there's more here than there is on that list because that list was really sort of kind of to prepare you for season seven when that was happening. And we feel like now in the the larger scope... Of Star Wars there's there's some stuff that is is worth watching and noting if you you just want like the TLDR don't have time for the whole thing gotta kind of narrow down here
2: I would say that the Nerdist list is actually pretty much straight up just an Ahsoka focused list of episodes yeah when you really go back and look at how they marketed that list it was like here's what you need to see so I think it's kind of cool actually what we're doing here if you watch these episodes that we're pulling You're going to get a lot of Ahsoka. It's not necessarily focused on just, like, we're not telling Ahsoka's story with what we're breaking down here per se. We're more covering what the actual story of The Clone Wars, the show, is. And you're going to get Ahsoka in these choices we make. But um, the list is actually quite different in a good way, I think. Yeah, I think
1: it's it's more the way I look at it is, so we have the ongoing scope of the Skywalker saga. We have the beginning, we have the end, and then something like the Clone Wars or Mandalorian or whatever it is. These are the things that are filling in the gap and enriching everything we know about the Skywalker saga. And I think with these arcs in the Clone Wars, if I'm taking notes or something, I think things are important because they're important to the overall Skywalker saga and not just Ahsoka character development or this arc is important because of the Mandalorian. It's just something that enriches like... The nine movies of the Skywalker saga.
2: For sure. Right I, right. I mean, the Holocron heist arc is not, I don't know that that's on the list of the nerds no, list. So. I, it's uh, not so, on the Nerdist list now. And then my first watch through was uh, mostly that list. So I, this was my first real, you know, experience with Cad Bane and that whole that whole thing. And so it's cool. I actually saw that for the first time on mm-hmm. the, on this viewing.
0: So it should be noted we said this before, but we'll say it again. We really start to notice some episodes not in chronological order here. We return to Geonosis. We return to Christophsis. We see some weird stuff. If you want to see, we'll, we'll put this in the show notes as well. If you want to see the, the chronological order, it's on StarWars.com. Nothing we're going to talk about really matters in that sense. Nothing's going to be confusing, but it's just worth noting.
2: I don't feel like it. Throughout the show, for whatever reason, they chose to do those episodes that way. I, I don't feel like it has a big impact, no. or no. I don't think it, I don't think it was done regularly enough to like become a thing. You know. Right. So yeah, totally. you just feel like you're watching another episode and, it, and it, 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 it never doesn't work without the knowledge of where it sits in the timeline. Mm-hmm. So right, right. It's, it's interesting that they chose to do it at all to me.
0: So we'll do this like we did last week. I'll intro these. Nick will talk a little bit. Now I'll end up doing the Den of Antiquities later. So let's get started. First pick, episodes one, two, and three, the Holocron heist, Cargo of Doom, and Children of the Force arc.
1: So the whole arc starts, you almost get a sense where it like starts where season one ended because of this whole chronological thing. That's not necessarily the case. So it's this arc starts before chronologically the end of season one where we were introduced to Cad He's sent, basically sent on a mission from Sidious to retrieve a Jedi holocron, which is pretty big a pretty big deal. This is the introduction to holocrons at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's introduced to retrieve a Jedi holocron from the Jedi archives on Coruscant. Cad Bane enlisted help from his droid Toto 360, as well as a changeling who takes the form <laughs> of multiple Jedis in order to gain access to, to the archives, which is pretty sick to just be able to... Change, <laughs> you know, like
2: Toto three sixty, like, like it's like a Toto world tour, like the band, you know, what it yeah, sounds like, right, so yeah. like in the round. Experience the band in three sixty degree action. <laughs> Toto three sixty, <360.
0: laughs> or like a subscription service for Toto the dog. Like if you're really into the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> Toto three sixty is your subscription service.
2: Sorry, sorry, carry <laughs> on. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, I I just think that the the changeling aspect of it is is pretty uh, interesting because that's the way to get into Jedi archives. You have to actually be a Jedi, shockingly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Sidious wants his holocron because it holds information about all the Force-sensitive children in the galaxy, which seems like a pretty big want, you know, like something bigger than he actually claims in this episode. Like if you just say that he wants the information of all Force-sensitive kids, that kind of sounds like an Order 66 Connection to me, mm-hmm. right?
2: D- doesn't he say uh, mention in in the arc, probably closer to the end, that he only needs a couple for his research? He says like the word research or something is in the yeah. dialogue.
1: So the the reason they give is like not you know it's not as heavy or as big as like initially you would think. And he just says he wants to create an army of Sith spies to take on the Jedi. So mm. uh, I mean, okay, who knows? You don't know if he's taking if he's ever being for real, you know. But to me, wanting to know the location of all Force sensitive children in the galaxy sounds like an order 66 connection to me for sure
2: or or a midichlorian cloning project too, yeah, like we've totally. seen now and whether there was foresight for that back then probably not again this is one of those cool things that they go ooh, what if we kind of tied that in yeah you know because he says the word research i swear i heard that i could be totally wrong mm-hmm. but um i just watched it like an hour ago yeah. i don't know they just it, you could tie it together in your head and make it really cool for yourself if you wanted it to be totally. that.
1: i think there's enough there's enough space there to tie it into a bigger story for sure so there's some cool visual references here, which we kind of mentioned at the top of the show. But, uh, you know, the, I think there's still that uh, continuing like Attack of the Clones film noir influence that we've mentioned in the past, especially in Cad Bane's apartment. The way like the light comes through, the the mm-hmm. shades and all that type of stuff. And... His
2: hat. He's always like hitting the yeah. brim of his hat to
1: the yeah, side. Yeah.
0: He's like at the window. There's one really, really good shot where he's got a toothpick. He's kind of staring out the window, you know, the blinds with the uh, the horizontal lines, the way he's lit there Mm -hmm. it's straight up detective movie it's so tight
1: cool it's really great it actually
0: looks better than than the films than the prequels you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it looks more cinematic somehow
1: Another cool part in in this arc, it was towards the end of the arc where there just becomes this like zero G fight between like Anakin, Ahsoka, Cad Bane, a bunch of troopers, droids, everything. It's it's so cool and just seemed like a monumental task as far as like CGI goes to actually pull that off. I I think that's kind of how it all culminates, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, there's like uh, the artificial gravity goes out in the ship. They're fully floating. It's like full, you know, Inception Matrix style. And I think that's the first time we've seen weightlessness like that inside a ship in Star Wars, right? I'm pretty sure,
1: yeah. Yeah, Pretty I mean, dope. Because wouldn't have been able to pull it off in the original trilogy, and I don't remember it at all in the in the prequels.
2: It's very rare right. that there's any zero-g stuff in Star Wars at all. Yeah. You know, anywhere.
0: Yeah. No. So what are the big takeaways from these episodes? What's important
1: about these three? So just connecting it to you know the overall story, but then also some character development stuff here. You, you just see how capable Cad Bane is when it comes to opposing the Jedi. And like I said, also, just to not confuse things, this episode is actually chronologically before episode 22 of season one. So, you know, Adam, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about whether... Palpatine knew that Cad Bane was going to like infiltrate and and take hostages in the season finale of uh, season one. So because this arc takes place before that, you kind of could go either way. Like you could speculate that he obviously knows who Cad Bane is, but did Cad Bane go rogue in the end of season one? Who knows? Right, kind of up in the air.
0: It seems like it's it's one of those things where by nature, just like by default, Palpatine's dealing with a bunch of shady ass people, and he's trying to keep it all in order, but there's bound to be some people going rogue or doing whatever the hell they, they feel like doing with, you know, based on their own personal interests, because they're all bad pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to work this guy. Oh God, what is he doing now? Okay. Cause he's messing up my plan, you know, kind of yeah, like totally. trying to herd bad guys is just a pain in the ass. I guess mm-hmm. when, even if you're the greatest Sith Lord of all time.
1: Yeah, there, there's a cool <laughs> part in this too in *Children of the Force* where Mace, Anakin, and Obi Wan are doing a triple Jedi mind trick on Cad Bane because he's yeah. so cool. I guess he got a big old brain. I don't know.
2: <laughs> and then Ahsoka's standing back there, like doing the best Ahsoka thing that she where she's like, "What are you guys do? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you're like yeah. about to murder him. Yeah, it's that's dark, what dude. we're about. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're doing. Dude, it brings me to a, a point of all of season two, Mace Windu. Is not a nice person. <laughs> no, he's Jules like, Winfield, dude. He's super mean <laughs> to every Jedi on the count. Like every he's he's not nice. And in that scene, he steps up, you know, while they're well, you will take us to the Holocron now and like gets violent with his mm-hmm. mind trick.
0: Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. <laughs>
2: And I think he, you see Ahsoka in the back in that moment. I know it's very early in her journey, but it's just it's one of those moments that I think all adds up to her walking down those steps in season five. Oh um, man. It's just that she sees this goes and goes, this is not the Jedi way to me. No. You know, but Anakin's like, yeah, do we have any other choice? Let's go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I want to rip someone's brain apart.
1: Yeah. <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> We also see a perfect example of why Jedi shouldn't have attachment in this arc. You know, Cad Bane has Ahsoka uh, trapped, you know, in a cell basically, and he exploits Anakin's feelings for Ahsoka and has Anakin actually unlock and get the information out of the the holocron in exchange for Ahsoka's release. So it's just one of those things where it's like if you have something on a jedi or just anyone you could use it to exploit that person so it's it's prime example of, of why jedi shouldn't have attachments it's because of that and, and anakin did an anakin thing and was just like okay well i'm letting you i'm opening this holocron i'm giving you the info you need and th- that's a little risky you know cad bane could be lying didn't he i don't remember if it was before or after that but didn't he open the airlock and try and shoot ahsoka out into space
2: i think that's why outside of this big pull yourself out and you know look big picture at the whole universe of it It, why it's called the rise of skywalker the skywalker code outweighs the jedi code because Mm -hmm. yeah anakin made a lot of mistakes but then so did luke then so does ray and the reason they make those mistakes is because they don't live by that end all be all code uh, and they do care for the people they love and they go out of their way to save them and it's that Luke's description of that that hubris, you know, that the Jedi trying to be all high and mighty, and there's just no way you can take the humanity out of it. Yeah, and I think that's the core of the story, and that's a great scene to use as an example of of the humanity that's inherent in in a Jedi like Anakin or Ahsoka, or you know, they're they're not going to live by that code.
1: It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I I mean that's a great point, and I I I always in the back of my mind, I, I just I hope that moving on in the future, like after Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker is the new term for Jedi, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. kind of where you're going with that, where it's like for, the Force isn't just Jedi or Sith. It's all focused into Rey at this point, and that's a Skywalker. And I think we get to hopefully still have Skywalkers, even though the Skywalker saga is over, and Skywalkers are just Jedi. And I think that's that's a really good... like gray area if that's the right term to move into the future with star wars is finn's a skywalker now
2: you know (laughs) like that Yeah, yeah yeah i love that
1: all right
0: next arc on our list episodes 12 13 and 14 the mandalore arc being the mandalore plot voyage of temptation and the duchess of mandalore
1: so we've definitely gone over this arc a little bit in uh, some of the Mandalorian episodes, but this is our first introduction. I mean, this is 2009. That's how long ago we got to first see Mandalore. And it gets a whole backstory. It all begins with Kenobi showing Duchess Satine Kree's a hollow of Mandalorian warrior attacking the Republic. So that's where this all starts. And being that Satine has ushered in an era of peace on Mandalore, she assures Kenobi that the warrior in the hollow does not represent her administration. She's a total pacifist things are totally fine on Mandalore. So Satine mentions that there's a terrorist faction called Death Watch who is opposed to the pacifist rule of Satine. Again, we've covered this. Their home base is on the moon of Concordia. We find out in here that, of course, Dooku and the Separatists are backing Death Watch, hoping to lay claim to Mandalore for the Separatists once a loyal Death Watch is in control of Mandalore, if they do succeed, uh, overthrowing Satine. So the governor that resides over the moon of Concordia is Pre Vizsla, who's voiced by John Favreau. Cool. And that's where that connection totally goes back 11 years at this point. And he, Pre Vizsla's lineage dates back generations. And uh, that leaves him to lay claim to how he thinks Mandalore should be run because he wants it to be ran in this ancient warrior way.
2: Viking shit. <laughs> yeah. And this is fully like Axis powers type shit, you know? I was just thinking, you say that, like I was just thinking about how we talked about when you read the opening crawl to The Phantom Menace, especially as like a 10-year-old, you know, you're like, what? What is separating? What, what, who, what? You know, (laughs) and it's crazy, man, how how they unfurl and unravel these politics throughout this show. I mean, it's nuts. And this is such an awesome, well-executed example of the separatists trying to use you know, their influence discreetly and covertly through the warriors of Mandalore against the Republic. Like Mm -hmm. that's what I'm here for.
0: Well done. And all, you know, the undercurrent is all the Sith too. So it's like, you've got these three groups all trying to do bad shit, Mm -hmm. all kind of doing it together. And this is, this is where it really gets complex and awesome. And we know now that like the whole thing ends with the
1: siege of Mandalore. It's just brilliant, man. I mean, this was fully laying the seeds for it the current state of Star Wars. You know, everything was revolving around the Mandalorian and this is where it all came from. Yeah. Moving on, uh, Obi-Wan does some investigating on on the moon and he finds out that Death Watch is secretly working out of an abandoned mine there. And then uh, he reveals that Pre Vizsla is the head of Death Watch and he's looking to overthrow Satine. On Mandalore, so busted. Yeah, again, that's a seed planted because he has the dark Yeah, you have Death Watch. It's just so much of, like I said, the the modern state of Star Wars right now is all planted in in
2: this episode. We see the dark for the first time here, right? Yeah, this is the introduction mm-hmm. of it. That's the first time. I think before you make this next point, like should have been maybe mentioned that throughout this arc, leading up to this insane line and moment for Obi Wan. You really see this relationship between Obi-Wan and Satine. There's deep explanation from Obi-Wan to Anakin about basically him falling in love with her. Like he pretty much says that without saying it, you know, and tells this story about how he was keeping her safe when when the Jedi were fighting the Mandal- right? They were fighting the Mandalorians. I'm not and, sure
1: all I know
0: cuz no, I just
2: or was was Mandalore under siege from They were stationed there to kind of protect her. Right. But they were kind of on the run. They were like they yeah. were hiding out. There were, she was she was kind of like displaced for a while. Right. And right. he tells this story, and that, yeah. So I just just making the point that it carries from the first moment of the, of the first episode of this arc to the end. This much more than friends relationship between Satine and, and Obi Wan.
1: Yeah, and and really the heaviest part of this, the the one line that really puts depth and heaviness into their backstory is Obi Wan actually tells her that he would have left the Jedi Order had she said the word. And that's that's really huge. Yeah. Because Obi-Wan's like an angel, you know, as far as the Jedi Order goes. It's like so much relies on on him in the Skywalker saga. And he thought about ending it at some point, which is, it's, it's nuts. It seems like a lot of Jedis do come up, but they come across that thought yeah you know mm-hmm. to leave at some point because i mean maybe they see some hypocrisy or maybe they just don't think that they're necessarily up for the task but it does seem like everyone has like that crossroads that they they come across at some point where they want to be a jedi or not in this
0: moment right here where it happens it's like like a life or death moment they might both die
2: yeah mm-hmm. it's a really high stakes moment when obi-wan says this line this super heavy line we found out now that there's been an assassination attempt on the ship by a, another senator who she trusts Tal Merrick and so he's like got her by the throat at gunpoint or um you know whatever thermal detonator point i don't remember what he's holding um <laughs> to, to kind of take her hostage but yeah he's got he's got the
0: trigger for the to detonate the whole right, ship to blow the engines yeah.
2: yeah that's right and it's in that moment that obi-wan like lets this super vulnerable side of himself show it's it's really intense and
0: then You know, it's it's this moment where
2: Talmeric is like testing them. Like,
0: who's going to be the one? You know, he says to Satine, if you fire on me, there goes your pacifist ideology. If you strike me down, Jedi, that goes against your ideology as well. Like, who's going to be the one to go against their beliefs? And be a cold-blooded killer, he says. (laughs) Right. And then a lightsaber comes through his chest. He drops, and there's Anakin behind him. Dark side music comes in, and Anakin's all... What? He was going to blow up the ship. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Yep, that's literally what he says. So good. At the end of this, it's kind of related to, to the Obi-Wan Satine storyline and their relationship. Um, there was a really cool moment that stood out to me between Obi-Wan and Anakin that I think it, it's a small thing, but it shows that brotherhood. It shows that real love that they have for each other as, as more like family than master and, and Padawan, you know, or teacher and student. When Satine puts her hand on... Obi Wan's face and says something about the beard, which, yeah. by the way, I don't even remember it. When James last week said something in character about how Satine <laughs> yeah. would make him shave his beard, but yeah. that wouldn't be so bad. Um, she she says, you know, I don't know about this beard. <laughs> He's like, what's wrong with it? And she says, it hides your handsome too much of your handsome face, you know. And Anakin kind of is off to the side walking up as this is happening, and he starts with a joke to kind of like poke fun. <laughs> well, what is that yeah. all about? <laughs> yeah. But then he immediately recognizes how wounded his friend his brother is seeing her walk away and he shifts gears like on the spot and says she's a remarkable woman and yeah it, it just it was a really cool moment i think for for their relationship obi-wan and anakin
0: and then there's a great line later i can't remember which episode it's in. anakin goes i'll go do so-and-so you go get your girlfriend yeah <laughs> yes. and he's like, she's not my girlfriend that's great <laughs> that's so good all right the next arc these will be the last three episodes of the season: twenty, twenty-one, and twenty-two. Death trap, R two come home, and lethal crackdown. This is mostly about Boba
2: Fett, young Boba Fett, little Boba, baby Boba.
1: Yeah, in the season of bounty hunters, we get introduced to a uh,
2: young little Boba,
1: little baby Boba,
2: and and it ends with that, which I think yeah. is cool, and and ties it off with a nice little felony bow, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs>
1: This story uh you know Boba Fett's the focus of this three-part arc. Now arc starts off with the episode called Death Trap and we see a vindictive little baby Boba. I don't know. I don't I think maybe they said he was supposed to be
2: um in the in the future on this episode I believe Dave Filoni said he's like 10 to 12 year you know 10 11 12 years old.
1: Okay. He yeah. said something
2: like as a 10 or 12 year old kid, yeah. he could easily sneak onto the ship because he, he looks like all the other recruits and we know We, you know, we have the knowledge of how clones age quickly Mm -hmm. and they kind of (laughs) pop out of the clone womb at like this age, you know, and are ready to go and start training, right? Mm -hmm. So he's at that age right here right now uh, and because he's aging normally, right? So he's like... It's taking him a lot longer to grow up, so he fits in with all the recruits. Mm -hmm.
1: And basically his his whole issue is, because of an attack of the clones, Mace Windu chopped Django Feds head
2: clean off. (laughs) Yep, no neck, nothing, man. It's just a helmet. It's just clean in there. So
1: he wants revenge on Mace Windu, so so yeah boba infiltrated a republic star cruiser amongst uh, other clone cadets that were the same age as him and attempted to assassinate windu by blowing up at first blowing up his quarters failed that way his second attempt was to destroy the entire cruiser by damaging the reactor core but that plan failed also
2: just carnage <laughs> yeah. this little kid is yeah. wreaking <laughs> havoc on the <this> ship dude <laughs> i mean he brings it down in the end he winds up escaping
1: on uh, Slave 1 alongside Aura Sing and Bosk, which is pretty cool. Because nice. at this yeah. point, Aura Singh is just like in a frame of the Phantom Menace, I want to say. Or was it Attack of the Clones? I don't remember. So this is her first time getting a speaking role and just getting a bigger... Uh, uh,
2: apparently, she's Doc Ondar's ex. Yeah. Oh,
1: I like that. That's so really they, cool. They
2: call her the boss's ex <laughs> at one point.
0: She's important in this, though. Like, yeah. Think about her influence on Boba, because... Yeah, he's super angry and hurt and just, like, alone in the world without his dad. He wants to kill Mace Windu, but he's not a ruthless little piece of shit. yet. Yeah. he's just an angry kid, yeah. but she's really influencing him in a bad way. They've got hostages, right? And she wants him to pull the trigger. He can't do it. I forgot what happens. I think she—does she end up shooting them? Or I forgot yes. how it goes mm-hmm. down.
2: He, he, she Well, one, she kills— um, like the captain and and you know the admiral and one of the other guys survive, but a third hostage, a trooper or something, she mm-hmm. she does shoot him like uh, in a like ISIS hostage video style mm-hmm. to right. the council. Filoni talks in the same in the you know two three minute featurette on this episode or these episodes. He talks about how um, he wanted to show kind of this humanity in in Boba Fett mm-hmm. and yeah. how he he was always out for revenge, but as you just said, Adam, like he clearly struggles with just straight up being a cold-blooded killer for no reason and i think that's cool and now again n- nobody had any idea that we were going to get to see tomorrow morrison playing him at the age of 60 but whatever journey he's been on now it's so cool to retcon in your head that humanity in there and yeah. why he's the version of boba fett we see now that's like well i have to protect the child now i've made it my code yeah no.
0: we actually have thoughts about the future of boba fett which we'll talk about in the post show clip that you patrons can listen to. So check that out after this. And then in the, the R2 come home episode, which is mostly about R2, it's a straight up like Lassie episode. Yeah. Pretty much. You know what I mean? And we see a lot of that. We saw some of this in season one. We see it as an ongoing thing. Anakin's relationship with R2 going back to the Phantom Menace, you know, he has this like connection with droids and Mace Windu again is, is the old grumpy asshole that doesn't get it. Like, what's the deal with this droid? Like, yeah, this
2: arc is where I really took the inspiration to make that comment earlier on the yeah. show, is from this <laughs> arc. It's just like, everything that comes out of his mouth is just like,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You could be on the council, but you can't be a master. It's like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> but R2 comes through. He proves himself, of course, like as a valuable
0: part of the team. And you could see it in one way as like, oh, this is just like a cute, funny little kid episode, the, the, you know, the cute droid. But R2, I mean... R2 is like the central character of the whole thing. So it's dope. I like it. And Filoni says he, you know, he's always thought of R2 as like the family dog. Lucas kind of said the same thing. So this is kind of what that episode is, but it reveals stuff about Anakin's character. So it's a valuable episode to watch.
1: Yeah. And, and the whole arc just ends, you know, in, in Lethal Crackdown, the third episode. It ultimately ends in Boba being in Republic custody on Coruscant. And we kind of, you know, we briefly went over it, but I, it's important because he shows remorse. You know, like you guys said, Singh was the one who took out some of those hostages because Boba wouldn't do it. So, right. it gives that kind of like double sidedness. You know, like he really only wants revenge on Mace Windu. He wasn't looking to kill innocent people. So
2: he says that in that in the final episode, mm-hmm. I'll never forgive you. Yeah, he makes it a point to say, I didn't want to do any of that, but I'm still mm-hmm. focused on you're dead. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna grow up, and yeah. you're dead. So. Right.
1: And and you just, you know, to wrap up this arc here, this is the most backstory we've gotten about Boba Fett yeah. <laughs> in 2009. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was really, you get to start with him as a whatever 10, 11 year old, because we got a little bit of him in Attack of the Clones, but this is where the vengeance comes from. And it's cool. At that point, if you're a Boba Fett fan, this is good info to have to know where he winds up being a bounty hunter that you don't know anything about. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah. you
2: said it's the same actor. Yeah, it's Daniel Logan, which is dope. I'm really interested how that kid's voice stayed the same from 2002 to 2009.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they went Beatles style and just pitched it
2: up. I'm sure that's what they did. Mm -hmm. Because that's just not possible, dude. If he was already, he'd be like 17 years old, you know. There's no way.
0: All right, we have some honorable mentions here, some episodes that are big. I would watch them personally. I would say episodes five, six, seven, and 8, The Second Battle of Geonosis, If nothing else, the battles are really big and cinematic and awesome. Mm -hmm. So I would say
1: for sure, watch these. Nick, you've got some thoughts here, right? Yeah, I mean, it's action for sure. And it's four episodes long, which is pretty rad. Just cool tactical stuff. It's like watching a video game, you know, on like story mode or something. Great tactical stuff from the Republic. You see some fallibility with the Jedi. Obi-Wan and Ki-Adi Mundi get injured, you know, so they're kind of limping around. They need help here and there. I think what's really important here is you get to see a relationship between Ahsoka and Barriss which is more important when you get to season five, obviously. So you get to see a little bit back and forth Mm -hmm. with them. And yeah, you get to see Ahsoka sacrifice herself for the good of the Republic, basically. You know, she basically... Straight up, they're both like, we're going to die. Yeah. Exactly. So they end up... The
0: whole droid factory explodes. They're in it. They're just like, we're not getting out. And of course, end up surviving, but they're down there together. Barris, who's another Padawan, a little bit older, but another Padawan who's a lot more like by the book than Ahsoka. But when it comes down to it, they're the same, you know? And mm-hmm. they, they end up by themselves down, trapped under all this rubble. And it's a great character moment. Definitely worth watching. There's also Ahsoka talking with Barris about Anakin, talking about sort of the differences in, the, in their masters, I think, And saying something like, Anakin will do whatever's necessary in battle to get things done.
2: He was going to blow up the ship. Yeah.
0: (laughs) She says something like, I don't know how he's going to deal with just being a Jedi after this war's over. Like, non-wartime life, which
2: (laughs) is pretty telling. Yeah, we know how that goes down.
0: (laughs) And um, there's also a good comment from Obi-Wan. He says to Anakin about Ahsoka, sometimes I don't think you realize how alike you two have become. So we went from season one, actually the film before season one, just being like, oh God, I don't, I don't need a Padawan. This was a waste of my time to now they're
1: like the same person, you know, at different stages and they're fully like sibling status. Yeah. I mean, talk about fork in the road. I mean, they really are very similar and they just take two different paths. Totally. Yeah. And Ahsoka's path is affected because of Anakin's turned to the dark side. So she can't even like fulfill her path.
2: What's so cool, though, to me is that Ahsoka's decision to walk away from the Jedi altogether is what sets her on the path into the light fully. Yeah. Whereas Anakin sticking with it to the end and being involved in the politics and having Palpatine like feeling like he's got a peepaw sheev taking care of him and he's playing favorites and all that is what led to his demise. Mm-hmm. It's just so cool that walking away from the Jedi created like one of the most pure. Jedi's of all time. Maybe Ahsoka
1: is quote unquote the first Skywalker that we're talking about. Yeah. Like the first true new Jedi. And then to wrap up this little arc here,
0: there are a couple things. One, they're interrogating Poggle the lesser, who is the Geonosian king, I guess. Right. We see him actually in episode two. He's the one up on the balcony that says like, you know, kill them. They're interrogating him and Anakin goes full bad cop on him. Tortures him essentially. Like they cut away, we don't see exactly what happens, but you hear the Imperial March come in.
2: I remember that so specifically from my first viewing because this is on the list, the the Nerdist list. This arc and just like whew, that music coming in, dude.
0: But it's brief. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like just the first little phrase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This Man. is
1: the first time I think we hear it, and we'll get to the other one in the Den of Antiquities. Little hints, and then there's
0: a great closing conversation between Anakin and Ahsoka about attachments, how to deal with them as a Jedi. It's good stuff because they're, they're struggling with it. Anakin knows what he quote should do. It's just good stuff. Just watch it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on.
1: generations.
2: It is the dark secret. Oh, gosh. It's a calicore. A Sith wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. The secret's only the Sith knew.
0: The Den of Antiquities. First one I want to point out, should have pointed out in season one, because he's in it a bunch. Admiral Yularen, voiced by Tom Kane, the same guy who does Yoda and the narrator. You can actually really hear that narrator voice in this officer's voice. He's the dude with the mustache. He's a very, like, proper officer kind of vibe.
2: Of all the Jedi on the council, I get stuck with Skywalker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that guy, yeah. So this character is the Imperial officer in the white suit in the conference room at the beginning of A New Hope. Cool. When Vader does a little force choke on what's-his-name, you know, when Tarkin's in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. The dude doesn't have any speaking lines, but he's there. He's got white hair, he's got a white mustache, <laughs> white suit. Cool. I did not know that.
1: That's amazing.
0: Same dude.
2: Your sulphurous sort of ways. <laughs>
1: It's so interesting to
0: think about, and this, this hasn't been established specifically, there's no like canon yes or no, but does Tarkin know that Vader is Anakin? I mean, all of these officers who dealt directly with Jedi, what do they think about Vader? You
2: know what I mean? I don't think they do, dude. I, th- I think it's dark science. I think it's Charlie at the end of the den bumper. <laughs> it's yeah. secrets only the Sith knew.
1: I'm trying to think. I, I really don't.
2: Sidious scooped up that body and yeah. ne- never told anyone. Yeah, I don't You know, and Anakin Skywalker ceased to be, like, as Obi-Wan yeah. says. So, I don't think so. I,
1: off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. If anyone, I would say Tarkin,
0: but maybe no one else. Mm-hmm. Probably no one else.
2: But I think only—that that would only be if Palpatine told Tarkin. And I, I get the vibe that he's like, this is my plan, and I'm gonna—this is gonna be my number two. I, you know? let's,
0: t- let's talk about this in the after show thing, because right. this is fun. Another voice actor that we didn't mention— not a voice actor, but voice actor in this case that we didn't mention in the cast, Seth green does the voice of Cad Bane's droid Toto 360, <laughs> the subscription service, catch the band live on their world tour, <laughs> Toto 360. And once you hear him, once you see him doing
1: it, you can't not hear him in the droid. I mean, it's kind of like a three PO vibe too, you know, a little He's bit. A
2: huge star Wars fan.
1: Yeah. Seth green. We got to get him on the show. That's gotta be that. We got to do that. one. So,
2: I, maybe I've, I've maybe told you guys this before, but my friend Katie in Los Angeles, who cut my hair for over a decade through like the band time, she. Also cut his hair, and I believe like his now, now wife or whatever. But she went to their wedding and like styled him for the wedding and stuff. And they got married at Skywalker Ranch. Wow! And so like the bachelor party was like them getting to go into the giant toy warehouse and just like oh, played shit. And and <laughs> apparently hit the engage the, her ring is some you know giant. Seth Green-sized rock held up by four lightsabers. <laughs> oh, like, wow. What? It runs deep from the stories I've been told. So, wow. yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can make that connect, actually. That would be amazing. Katie would probably, at, at the very least, reach out to him for me. She's great. She's mm-hmm. a great friend. Dope.
0: The Catbane shot that we mentioned earlier, the film noir one where he's got the, the, the toothpick at the window, he was actually smoking there originally, but they ended up changing it because, you know, kids. Yeah. Death sticks. We don't need death sticks <laughs> around here. <laughs> This next one, Nick, just jump in here.
1: Uh, so, yeah, in episode five, Kiati Mundi is about to take off for Geonosis, and Admiral Ylarin says, Good luck, General. Kiati Mundi says, There's no such thing as luck. Cool. Throwbacks. Love
0: that. In episode 10, The Deserter, Rex and another clone, I can't remember which other clone he's playing with, but they're playing holo chess on the exact same, like uh, recreated with amazing attention to detail, exact same holo chess board like we see in The Falcon with all the same little characters animated to look like stop motion. And Filoni actually talks about how uh, Lucas came in and was like, why don't you make him look smoother? You know, and like doesn't just doesn't get the idea that like, no, like we're fans. It's supposed to look this way. Like, uh, please, (laughs) can can we just leave it?
1: We have to leave it this way or else we can ruin everyone's childhood.
0: (laughs) 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 So they're, they're all, you know, kind of stuttery and stop motion looking so dope. Episode 11, Lightsaber Lost, is based on, Nick, you put this in here, a Kurosawa film called Stray Dog.
1: Yeah, I've not seen that, but um, I think it's fairly, from what a little bit of reading and, and little uh, mentions that it gets in the feature at it might be like beat per beat. Oh, might well, be like nice. A very close, <laughs> very close uh, replication of uh, the Kurosawa film Stray Dog. Sweet. Episode 12 in the Mandalore plot, this is just a little
0: thing, but I'm, I'm, I got so interested in, in this today, I really went down the rabbit hole. There's some paintings in like the government buildings there, in Pre-Vizsla's meeting room, and then in Duchess Satine's chamber. There's this big Picasso Cubist-style painting. It's like an exact ripoff of uh, Guernica. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the name of this painting, but it depicts the Mandalorian Wars against the Jedi, and it looks awesome. Like I yeah. wanna you have to freeze frame a bunch of times to get the whole thing and they have it in the in the making of I just wanna recreate it and like find somebody to paint it for me and put a giant one in my house. <laughs> yeah. It's so sick. And then there's another Cuba style painting of Satine in her throne room, which is really dope, which would be sweet to have as well. Feloni gave the Mandalorians sort of a Nordic look. Went went full like Scandinavian vibe with him.
1: Yeah, it's really just interesting because I I I never really noticed this thing. But Nicole, my girlfriend's, always like, why are there no blonde people in Star Wars? And I was like, you know, there really isn't. And I think maybe on Twitter a couple of months back, when the cover for Light of the Jedi, the new High Republic book, came out, I'm like, look, a blonde person. (laughs) Yeah. And then I think I think I said something on Twitter, and someone was like, well, what about Satine? And I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, I know what you mean, but they keep casting. There's really no blonde people in, on film, you know? That's interesting. Yeah. I never, ever noticed that.
2: When you meet the prime minister of Mandalore for the first time, I, one of the things that threw me the most, I think now I would think about it, I'd be like, oh yeah, they're, they're all, they're blonde people, <laughs> which yeah. you don't see. But his eyes are like purple. They're like yeah. beyond blue. They're purple. Yeah. And funny, you know, we were we were talking before we started the show. I was doing my Vikings on history, the show, sell to you guys for the <laughs> 50th time to get you to watch it. So this is cool because I fully, I, I, I said that tonight at some point, like 10 minutes ago, the, the Mandalorians are just like Viking shit. Like that's their thing. It's warrior culture. It's like yeah. ritual and duty, honor. Mm. Uh, the only way to solve a problem is through the glory of battle. You know, I mean, that's their thing, dude. That's the code mm-hmm. that they've expanded on, obviously, quite a bit now. But, yeah, that's cool. I, I never really thought about it. But if you watch this, there's clearly a Nordic influence on the, the way their helmets look, uh, their armor, you know. They even shaped
0: the face. We've got a lot, actually, here about the design and, like, the, the world building that went into this. You notice their faces are shaped like the helmets, like their yeah. cheekbones. You know what I mean? Of course, it's very stylized animation, but right down to like the, those curve lines that go down Mm -hmm. sort of to the chin from the cheekbones you know, almost like Aryan kind of
1: vibes. Yeah. The, the lead designer, I think his name is Killian Plunkett. He just said they took so many shapes, uh, mainly the like diamond hexagonal like shape that's in the center of Boba Fett's armor mm-hmm, on the chest. Yeah. Like it's right in the center of the chest. But if you look around when there ever, there's like a wide shot of Mandalore, or a wide shot of like where Satine's like, you know, where her throne is like, you just see that shape everywhere. And they even, I think there was another time too, where they took the, I think they showed that they took the, like, cheek parts of the helmet, and that's actually the... all oh, the shape of the, the wings ship. of the... Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's pretty cool. How do you build a whole city just based off of, like, a couple of pieces of armor? And then
0: they used that kind of Picasso influence, the Cubist style, mm-hmm. in the, the external architecture of all the buildings. They really, really went all out to build this as a distinct world and not just kind of recycle a bunch of crap from other planets on you know in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. You know the word Mandalorian never appears in Star Wars on film. I I believe it. Vader even he he just addresses Boba as bounty hunter, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I think Boba Fett is only said by Han, probably, right? Yeah. When he's blind and Boba Fett. Boba <laughs> Fett. So the first time you see anything about Mandalorians or Mandalore is in the Empire Strikes Back sketchbook, which was released around the time of the film it has early concept art of Bobo where he's referred to as a super commando quote. And there's like this brief description of, of these quote troops from Mandalore who were known for having fought against the Jedi. It's like this one paragraph thing. And that's, that's what just like planted the seed for all of it. There's a death watch logo actually in those concept images. They fully like went back to the well, Mm -hmm. you know, we think about that kind of like mining for content thing as something that happens now. But Lucas, like you mentioned earlier, and Filoni, you know, Filoni brought in like this stack of books and comics and was like, here it is. Let's go through all of it and dig out the good stuff and -hmm. build this world. And that's what they did.
1: One of these uh, new Black Series figures I have right here. It almost looks like Darth Maul-like spikes coming out of the Mandalorian helmet. And it's literally called Mandalorian Super Commando. Sick. (laughs) And lastly, well, I don't want to say lastly. We're going to keep talking about Mandalore.
0: But Satine's royal gown and headpiece are actually a leftover queen Amidala design mm-hmm. that they didn't use because it was too somehow it was too much
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i, lo- I love that they reuse stuff like especially macquarie stuff it just worries me that like there's not and it seems like right now there's endless unused concepts but I it bet just worries is, me
2: <laughs> uh, you can't even imagine how much stuff got left on the floor it, yeah, it, has yeah. To, it just has to be stacks of it dude yeah. like that, that you couldn't, you just couldn't make enough content to use mm-hmm. at all. It, it just right. in, in, I, I,
1: I hope it is before right. we start seeing. I don't know. Cad Bane's cowboy hat, yeah, and <laughs> stuff like that. You know.
0: <laughs> and then there's a part on Coruscant, right, where Duchess Satine is like on the run, right, and she meets Obi Wan. They're they're hooded. They're down there on the street, mm-hmm. and the troopers are looking for her. that entire space that they're in right there it's a huge outdoor kind of almost like courtyard kind of thing. I don't know exactly what it is, but that's based on like you mentioned that uh, Ralph McQuarrie painting mm-hmm. and it's like spot on. It yeah. is the thing. It's so dope. But right there in that scene, there's a great little just nugget Satine's talking to Obi-Wan about running hither and yon, wielding his lightsaber with deadly force as if on some kind of crusade, <laughs> which fully like makes it make sense with that, you know, some damn full idealistic crusade. Like, y- yeah, yep. like your father. It's so good, man. Because at first, like in the prequels, you're like, "Does that make sense?" I
1: don't know what you mean, ideal. You know, but this show is about that idealistic crusade. It's exactly mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. This next one actually was pretty cool. Uh, so the lead designer Killian again, I love his voice. He's just got that deep like. I don't know if he's British or I don't think he's Scottish. Maybe Irish. I don't know. He almost like keeps his teeth clenched when he's talking. I love hearing him talk. Anyways, he mentions how certain colors are used for different technology. So, for instance, the Republic has a blue color palette when it comes to their technology. The Separatists have an acidic green color. Generic bad guys, I want to say, like have more of a red color for their technology. And Mandalore, if you look at any of their their screens or anything like that, have a a bit of an orange color. So that's not something I would have noticed unless he pointed it out. I did notice back in the day, but the way he lays this out, it's like, oh, holy shit,
0: everything is kind of color-coded like that. I really Mm -hmm. noticed the green stuff with the Separatists with their screens, but the Death Watch stuff with the yellow... Also, not just the color, but like the way the technology looks. Like their force fields are a little bit different. There's kind of that lightning kind of edge to them, just like the Darksaber. Mm -hmm. It's all very, very deliberate and very cool. Something else that's really cool that I love, we see for the first time in the Clone Wars, Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. Bail Organa, of course, we saw in the prequels and the the feature films, but Mon Mothma, this is the first time since the original trilogy, right? Uh,
2: Yeah. And chronologically, therefore, the first time. Mm-hmm. And she's right. in the story
1: pretty young here, I guess at, at yeah. this point, I mean, she shows up in novels and I really, you know, she seems yeah. so important. I mean, she has some moments in rebels the next animated series. So she's a character that I think is super important. That isn't like fully sussed out yet
0: in the following episode. This is great. This isn't a Filoni purposely put this in. Anakin has a line. A, a big thing in this episode is uh, this ship with a cloaking device. It's part of the mission. They're going to go in cloaked and whatever. And Anakin says, No ship this small usually has a cloaking device. Like, not usually, because Filoni, when Lucas said, oh, the ship's going to have a cloaking device, Filoni's like, that doesn't make sense. Remember what they said, you know? Yeah. (laughs) When the Falcon disappeared in The Empire Strikes Back, they're like, no ship that small has a cloaking device. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) Anakin has to say, like, well, usually ships this small don't have cloaking devices. So, you know, that one line felonnie was like dude they're gonna roast us
2: if we we (laughs) don't put in a line of dialogue about this george you know there's this they call it the internet now and um
1: it is fueled by 100% (laughs) hatred
2: (laughs) they thrive on us messing (laughs) that up yes (laughs) there's a lot of that he mentions
0: that a lot in this and it's great like i love that he ended up being the dude like a true fan who can kind of like straddle that line Mm -hmm. speaking of felonnie There's a bounty hunter named Embo, which Filoni did the voice for. He was very kind of hesitant, just like in the Mandalorian about being in the show, but he ended up doing this and the dialogue, it's like very, very processed and it's like pitched down and all this kind of stuff. But Filoni was trying to come up with an accent and a language for this character. So he ended up reading from, I think it was maybe the, one of the sound designers or something, his, his kid, the sound designer or this other guy's, uh, um, he's French and his kid had a Smurfs book. And Felony just read from the Smurfs book in French, <laughs> purposely pronouncing the words really badly, and that's the dialogue for this this bounty hunter Embo. He's got that Great. like a uh, almost like metal Raiden style hat. Oh yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
1: That's Felony. One thing that I thought was cool, I actually did a double take in episode seventeen. Uh, there's a ship in like this kind of like huge like barn looking thing that looks very similar to the Razor Crest. So I immediately went to the cesspool of the internet to see if I'm sure other people knew. <laughs> knew. Other people were like, the Razor Crest is in Clone Wars. So I found some people commenting on that. It's, it's like close in design, but it's not the Razor Crest. It's like has the basic like the kind of long thin wings with like the engines kind of hanging off of them with like a big old like cockpit looking thing but it's it's definitely yeah. not it's not the Razor Crest it might be a model that is like in that line you know couple of years let's see the Razor Crest is pre-Empire they say yeah so it could just be you know an earlier version of the Razor Crest
0: yeah car companies rip each other off all the time yeah, it's totally. the same thing
1: yeah oh and also we get to see Hondo Onaka in that episode episode 17 so that's yes. that's pretty cool alright last one in the den the clone trooper names
0: Trapper and Hawkeye In one of the late episodes, are a nod to characters from the TV show Mash. If anyone's old enough to remember Mash,
2: dude, there was rarely a night in my childhood that that television program was not on. Yeah, and my dad (laughs) loved Mash, dude. Loved my dad
1: too. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I don't think that my parents watched it, but when I heard that theme song, I knew it was bedtime.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was the thing. Like, like,
1: oh, (laughs) it's late now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh, the! 80s. I bet if you played it right now, I'd be like, oh, I'm "Yeah, getting kind of tired." Yeah, it's tired in here. Yeah,
2: I should try that. <laughs> I suck at sleeping. Maybe if I just put on the MASH theme, I'm I'll be out.
0: <laughs> and put on an episode of Night Court after that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, so much MASH. That's great. All right, let's
0: move on. I love you. I know. Favorite episodes. Favorite quotes from the opening title card quotes. A little different on these Clone Wars breakdowns because there is so much content. But we, of course, polled the patrons like we do every time. We gave them all 22 episodes and opening title quotes. We'll talk about ours first and then we'll do the results of those polls. Who wants to go first?
2: I'm going to have to go with the Mandalore arc. I mean, from this whole season, that's like... I don't know that's the most meat on the bones. I I loved the relationship between Obi-Wan and Satine. I think I'm biased a little bit to that arc in this season watching it now because of what I know about the Mandalorian, you know, Legends and and The Code and This is the Way and they're just learning that backstory the first time I watched through was one of my favorite parts of the entire series. So uh, and and how you know how much it carries on, how much the Mandalorians are a part of the story going forward too once we meet bo 10 and and keep moving that story forward. So I I think that out of season 2, all of the arcs we we talked about are are definitely the ones you you want to hit, but I think the Mandalorian one is just just the coolest. I loved seeing them working together, like getting the 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 un, an understanding of cuz you have this idea that that like how do you how do you fight the Jedi, right? We we get the battle droids and everything seems so like pointless going up against Jedi, right? But The Mandalorian can really fight them, and there's this legend of them warring and fighting each other, right? So this is where, for the first time, we get to see, like, in numbers, these, like, epic warriors operating with their Phoenix backpacks and all their weaponry, and I, I just loved it. Yeah,
1: they figured it out. It's great. I'm not going to pick a different one just to be a contrarian. I think that's the best arc for sure. I mean, I, I like I like the you know the everything to do with the holocron uh, in the opening arc, but I mean, yeah, the Mandalorian arc is is wound up being the best. <sighs> <sighs> Me too. Three, four, three, <laughs> three, four, <laughs> three, three, four, three.
0: Voyage of Temptation specifically because Obi Wan, th- there's the scene that we talked about where he and Satina are, are like facing death. And they're both so firm in their ideologies, but really just like their principles. You know, I don't, I don't think they're ideologues. I think they're just, they're strongly principled people. So they're like, they're ready to like die together, basically, which is a massive moment. And then Anakin coming in (laughs) Vader style. Like, it's just, there's so, so much there in just that moment, not to mention the rest of the episode. So that's going to be my favorite.
2: All right, favorite opening title quote.
0: Got 22.
2: I'm going to go with the first episode of the Zillow Beast arc, episode 18. Choose what is right, not what is easy. It's a good one. I think that's that's some strong Ahsoka vibes right there. The scene that we talked about where Anakin has to choose to open the holocron, the easy thing would have been to let Ahsoka die. No attachments. Mm -hmm. I'll get another Padawan. I'm a Jedi. I'm made of stone. But he didn't. You know, what what he ended up doing made it really hard for everyone, but it it was the right thing to do to save Ahsoka's life.
1: Nick. Uh I'm gonna go with uh Episode 13, Voyage of Temptations, uh, title card, Fear Not for the Future, Weep Not for the Past. And I feel like that that goes uh, kind of along the lines of uh, when we were talking to James last week about mindfulness, you know, and just being in the moment and really appreciating exactly where you are. I mean, I don't know if it's a character fault of my own, but I've never really, I don't picture the future ever. I don't know if that means I'm going to die early, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I live a day-to-day life and, uh, I, that's kind of why I like this quote. I don't, I don't fear the future. I don't really think about the past too much. It's kind of, well, what's Tuesday got in store for me? What's Friday got in store for me? You know, like it's just kind of whatever's up next is up next. That's what I'm thinking about. you just live in la vida loca. In other words, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with
0: episode two. Overconfidence is the most dangerous form of carelessness the humility element of that. And this reminds me of something that I I think about a lot. You guys ever heard of the, the Dunning Kruger effect? No, there's a study done and it showed that typically people who know next to nothing about a topic tend to, (laughs) people always overestimate what they know if they're on the bottom end. But if you know a lot about a specific topic, you underestimate your knowledge or Hmm. your skill. So there's like an inverse correlation Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the idea of like, the more you learn about something, the more you realize what you don't know. Yeah. You have a better understanding of the whole topic. Like any of us as musicians, I'm sure all three of us would be like, yeah, I'm not that good, honestly. (laughs) And it's because we've spent enough time with it and we're, we are, we're good enough to know what we don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. You see this in politics all the time. People claim to really know what's going on, but it turns out they don't know shit. It's the people that don't, know much at all, but have really strong feelings about something that have that overconfidence. So there, there's like a, a really clear, you know, you put it on a graph. It's like very clear. You see where the crossover is. You get, it's like the, some, something like the 70th percentile of knowledge or skill in a particular thing. That's when you start to say, yeah, I'm not really that good or I'm not, I'm not really that smart.
2: <laughs> I think a lot of artists probably fall victim to that because sure. your, e- your ego just gets, pumped so much when you're young you know by whoever is around you and it can really mess up your head and as time goes on exactly as you just described you learn like oh i'm actually not very good at this at all (laughs) (laughs) because look at this person you know and then imposter syndrome
1: well there's just no end there's no end to learning you know like there's no like well that's that i know i know everything no no new knowledge is going to come there's just no end so once you get down that path you're like well (laughs) 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 shit
0: all right let's see what the patrons thought patreon polls favorite episode favorite title card the winner of favorite episode with 36 percent of the vote no surprise the duchess of mandalore we figured it would be that arc
1: i'm counting that as
0: four for four yeah (laughs) yeah four
2: for four yeah yeah yeah.
0: we're all (laughs) we all lined up this week (laughs) 100 Second place, twelve percent. It's a tie. Lightsaber lost, Mandalore plot, and bounty hunters. Makes sense. Yeah, lightsaber lost was a great one. Uh, that's one of my favorites as well. Mandalore plot, that's that's right there in that same arc. So, bounty hunters, that goes with what they pushed the the season as. So they did it,
1: Lucas and Filoni. They they did it well. Yeah, and you just think back to two thousand nine. You got to see little little baby Boba do his thing. It's pretty cool. And then favorite title card
0: episode. 18 with 18% of the vote. Choose what is right. Not
2: what is easy. Boom. I did not know that before Euro. I made my call. <laughs> I, did, I skimmed over the, the result and lo- went down to look at them. Solid. That's very cool.
0: And then second place with 15% of the vote, episode five, believe in yourself or no one else will.
2: It's pretty good. I like that. PMA.
1: Yeah. I struggle with that. That's e- easier said than done, but yeah.
2: absolutely <laughs> ties a little bit into what we were talking about, about, about like, the more you learn, the more you feel like yeah. overwhelmed with not with not having enough knowledge mm-hmm. and not having the, the talent or skill craft whatever it is that you do. Yeah. You know, the ability to master it. And you start to just be like, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> when really it doesn't matter what form or what level of knowledge you have, if you're passionate about doing something and you believe in yourself, then just just do it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, segue. Hey,
0: I was about to say. Didn't even mean to. Speaking
2: of, give us the quote of the week to wrap it up, Billy Key. Okay. Um, So for the quote this week, we're going to pay a little homage to last week. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, you really should, immediately following this one, go back and listen to it because it was collectively one of our favorite Think the Maker episodes of all time. And uh, we had James Arnold Taylor, the incredibly talented voice actor who plays, among many other things, Obi-Wan Kenobi through the entire Clone Wars series. And in talking with James last week, man, what a positive force in people's lives he seems to be. So we had a show called Obi-Wan and Beyond, and it was a show where James Arnold Taylor told the story of his career through voices, like he did on the show, on our show. You know, just jumped in and out of all these different voices to tell this amazing story of his career Uh, but this is a a quote that someone who attended the show or saw the show jotted down and it's really cool quote you all have dreams inside of you and you got to grab them and you got to take them and you got to make them the best you can okay because that's how we make the world a better place that's how we make our lives better that's the part i want to see every one of us do today write it down keep it in your heart Keep it with your friends and family, because you heard a lot of people here today, a lot of voices, a lot of stuff, but it was all simply one man. James Arnold Taylor.
1: I have a secret, guys. You ready? Are you sitting down? I'm ready. Yes. Are you sitting? Yeah. I've been James Arnold Taylor the whole time. <laughs> Nick has not been here. <laughs> I'm James Arnold Taylor doing Nick's voice. Doing Nick? <laughs> Pull off the mask. Let
2: me see. <laughs> we asked him, after one show, can you do Nick? he probably totally could do all three of us after one show. yeah (laughs) that would be awesome to hear oh that'd be incredible
0: all right we're done wrapping it up season two moving on stoked to do season three next week yeah big stuff for sure we're gonna talk a bit in the after show for patrons about some recent news that i i think just by saying recent news we know what we're talking about we'll do some speculating on some things that we talked about in this episode and it'll be a good time. So patreon.com slash thank the pod is where you can go to become a patron. If you're not already one, you can hear these after show things and get involved with voting and all kinds of other cool stuff. And if you're looking for the podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at thank the maker pod on Twitter at thank the maker. My personal stuff is at
1: Adam, the skull mine is at William Ryan key and I'm at Nick Bayside. And don't forget to check out thank Yes. We got four rad t-shirts right now. Real cute tops. Yeah. Blouses, as I've heard them been called in the past. (laughs) Real cute tops. (laughs) Check it out.
0: ThankTheMakerMerch.com. Dudes, I love this. This is my favorite part of the week. Yep. Right on, brother. Good to hang with you.
1: Every day that we don't do it, I miss it.
0: (laughs) Everybody, thanks for listening. Catch the after show on Patreon. Until next time, may the force be with you.